Good morning. I'm glad you are with us this morning. Uh, <clears throat> well, we're going to talk about prayer. And uh, before we do that, uh, let me just kind of tell you my thoughts on why uh, prayer this morning to share with you. When I was talking to Jeff last night after uh, he called about um, the accident with Carly, uh, there were two dynamics that are a part of the whole thing. One is you know, his heart for her. And uh, his, he's the shepherd of this flock, and she's one of his sheep. And there's that dynamic. And so he encouraged me, please pray for her. And I, 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 we all need to do that. And then also for him, he's the shepherd. And as the leader of the flock, his concern isn't just for her, but then he has to be concerned about those that are here today as well. And so pray for me, him personally, uh, was on my mind as well. And so I kind of try to think of when all else fails, prayer is what we need to go to. And so with Jeff's kind of urging, not only for his heart for Carly, but also for you all and uh, the struggle for him to not be a part of this today in terms of preaching, uh, I thought we would talk and uh, share some things about prayer. So before we do that, let me pray and ask the Lord to give us direction as we talk this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you that you first loved us and drew us to yourself. And Lord, we ask now that you would help us to share about prayer and to encourage the hearts of those that are here. In Jesus' name, amen. When I was a kid, there was a song that they taught us. It went something like this. Why worry when you can pray? Trust Jesus. He'll be your stay. Don't be a doubting Thomas. Rest solely on his promise. Why worry, 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 worry when you can pray? So this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to try to understand what prayer is and hopefully make it an effective part of our lives. The way that we'll do that is by asking ourselves and answering six questions about prayer. The first question is, what is prayer? What is prayer? Prayer is talking to God communicating to God, having an opportunity to have a back and forth with God. So prayer is simply that, talking to God. So question number one, what is prayer? Answer, talking to God. Now, some of you are sitting there calculating. That took about 33 seconds. And so you're thinking, boy, if the next five go this quickly, we're going to beat the lines at the restaurants, right? It'll be a little bit longer and hopefully a little more informative. But I think it's very simple sometimes to just understand that when we are praying, we are talking to God. The second question is, who can pray? Who can pray? Turn your Bibles to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5. In Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, gives us kind of an indication of who can pray. Verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. We have access by faith into the grace which we now stand. This verse, verses 1 and 2, is talking about a a past act with present results. The past act was we were justified, declared righteous, saved, um, made right with God, whatever words you choose to best identify with, that's what has happened. And because we have been saved 
justified, we have access to God. It's not a process. It is a one, once and for all act. We've been justified. We are put into the presence of God. It is not a process where we are seeking his approval and hoping that we will get into his presence one day. Instead, it's we have been justified through Jesus Christ and we are now in the presence of God. So we have access to him. It is not because of me, but it's because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. And whatever you think or whatever you want to understand, you need to think this way. You need to think because of Jesus Christ, I am able to get into the presence of God, access to God. It is, it is not because of me. It is because of Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we oftentimes forget how important Jesus Christ is in this whole idea of prayer. We talk about God and we talk about who he is, but sometimes because of that, uh, he is a little bit more removed from us. Well, allow Jesus Christ be the one to take us into his presence and give us access. This word access gives us the idea of a privilege to approach someone higher than us, a privilege to be in the presence of someone of high standing, especially royalty. That's a good way to describe God. He is the king of the world. And so his son allows us access into his presence. Abraham Lincoln, when he was president in the White House, uh, his son, Tad Lincoln, who was named Tad because he had a big head and a small body and he looked like a tadpole as a baby, and so they called him Tad, uh, he would oftentimes find people outside of the White House who were distraught or upset and wanting to meet the president. And so Tad would take them by the hand and said, I can show you the president. And he would walk into the president's office and allow that person to talk to the president. And it was because he was the son of the president that he could have that access into the president's presence. And so too with us. When we have Jesus Christ as our Savior, when we understand what Jesus Christ does, Jesus Christ takes us into the presence of his Father, allowing us to make our request known to him. So what it is that Jesus does is allows us to pray. So who can pray? Uh, those that are trusting in Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, the question then comes, if you do not have a faith relationship with Jesus Christ, does God not hear your prayer? That's a good question. And I'm sure you know people who say, you know, I've prayed before, and I don't know this Jesus of yours, or I don't have this understanding, and God has answered my prayers. I don't know if that's true. I don't know if God answers their prayer or if God just extends grace to them. So I, I don't want to try to diminish what other people are thinking, but I want you to see what God says in his word. He is telling us that those who have access to him through Jesus Christ, those are the ones that he's hearing. Those are the ones that are experiencing his presence and his opportunity. You see, this, this morning, I do know this. If we are in a living, growing relationship with Jesus Christ, we are able to be ushered permanently into the presence of God and make requests before him. I do know that. So I guess when we answer the question, who can pray, we should answer it this way. Those in a relationship with Jesus Christ and those wanting to be in a relationship with Jesus Christ, who can pray? The third question, why pray? Why should we pray? Well, there are two reasons I think that we should pray. The first reason comes from a friend of mine. Uh, I have a friend and we talk about different things. And one time we were talking about prayer. And I said, if there was one thing that you want people to know about prayer, what would it be? 
And he said this without hesitation. He said, make sure that we understand that God listens. God listens. So why do I pray? I pray because God listens. He is the one that is willing to hear what you have to say. Some of you are sitting there and you're saying, wow, that would be wonderful if someone would listen to me. Because too many times in my life, people are telling me what to do, telling me where to go, telling me how to behave, telling me uh, instead of just sitting down and asking me for what it is that I want. Nobody's willing to listen to me. No one's willing to, to hear my words. Or if they do, they sit down and you can see that person. As you are telling them what's on your heart, they're sitting there and you can see them processing what they're going to say next instead of really engaging and listening to what you have to say. I finished reading a book. It was, it's a book called A Stolen Life by J.C. Dugar. And if you know anything about J.C. Dugar, she was in the news a couple of years ago. She was in the news because when she was 11 years old, she was captured by a husband and wife, and she was held for 18 years, and during that 18 years uh, suffered uh, horrific things. And during that time period, there were a lot of opportunities where she was out and about. And, you know, she said, people always ask me, why didn't I try to escape or run away. And she said, I was so beaten down mentally, physically, and emotionally that I didn't think anyone would listen to me. For 18 years, her name was not JC, it was Allison. And until she was rescued by two police officers, she finally uttered her name after 18 years. So she was beat. No one would listen. Can you imagine? Can you imagine feeling like no one will listen to you? Some of you are sitting there and saying, yes, I, I know what that's like. I know what it's like for people not to listen to me. Well, I'm here to tell you this morning that the reason you pray is because God listens. I pray because I know he listens. He wants to hear from me. He wants to hear from you. He is interested in all the wonderful, marvelous things that you have to share. He wants to know your thoughts. He wants to understand your heart. He wants to feel the rhythm of your life in his life. Why do I pray? I pray because he listens. The second reason why I pray is because he is listening and the one God who is listening is infinite and I'm finite. He's infinite and I'm finite. He's God. I am man. We are going in prayer. We are going to this big, awesome, inspiring God. We shouldn't attempt to shrink him. I shared with the first service, I teach in a high school and so I'm, I'm around the high school culture. And I understand when high school students, you know, kind of try to use their own language in talking to God and things like that. But as we grow and mature in our relationship with God, he's not a dude or a bro, right? He's God. He's awesome. He's unbelievable. And instead of trying to find ways to bring him down to us, we should find ways to keep him up there, understanding how awesome and unbelievable he is, and then allow Jesus Christ to take us into the presence of that God. If you uh, want to do something this week, you should take the book of Psalms and go through the book of Psalms. And at the beginning of the Psalms, what David does is he, he creates this picture of God and how unbelievable God is. And then he will ask for something after he creates this picture of who God is. Uh, over and over, uh, he is the one that, that never says to God, hey, I'm glad you're just one of us. He never says that. Instead, he uses these kinds of terms. He calls God my strength, my righteousness, my refuge, my glory, my rock, my fortress. Those are the kinds of things he says about God. Or he'll say, you are too wonderful for words to describe. That is the God to whom we are going in prayer. 
We are being ushered into the presence of God through Jesus Christ. And that's the God that we want to have there waiting for us. The one to whom we can take our needs and our problems. I have two sons. One's 25 and one's 13. And when they were little, I was absolutely the center of their world. You know, I would come home from work and they would run to greet me. And I think the reason why they liked me so much is because when I would get home, I would ride them on my shoulders, I would carry them on my back, I would lift them up in the air and fling them around and we'd spin and uh, I even would hold them up and let them walk on the ceiling with their feet and do all kinds of fun things like that. And so I think the reason they liked me so much was because I was so big and they were so little. And, you know, now they never speak to me because we're the same size, but you get the idea, right? Because I'm so big and they're so small, they have so many needs, they come to me and grab on and say, let's go and enjoy life together. And that's the way it is with God. He is so beyond our imagination. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. He is omniscient, all-knowing. He is the God of the universe who created it with just mere words. Instead of trying to bring him down to my level, allow him to stay where he is and allow his son Jesus Christ to take me into his presence. Why do I pray? I pray because he listens. And the one who is listening is God. Is God. Never diminish that. You say, well, you know, this idea of a big God is kind of scary. Some of you, you you think of those in authority and you, you get frightened by that. Don't be. Don't be. Don't be frightened because remember, Jesus Christ is there to go with us. If you have your Bible, turn to 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. In 1 Timothy 2, verse 5, it says this, For there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. We have Jesus Christ to bring us into the presence of God and make us acceptable to God. We have no reason to fear. We have no reason to be nervous because Jesus Christ is ushering us into the presence of God. We have no reason to back away or to consider it something to be feared. Before I taught in the high school, I spent three years teaching in the middle school. And the middle school, I don't mean to speak disparagingly of middle school students because if you are in 6th, 7th, or 8th grade, I don't mean to, to speak disparagingly or hurtfully, but just reality. Reality is many middle, middle, middle school students are just hyperboles waiting to happen, right? I mean, that's a tough age, 7th and 8th grade. That's a tough age. And I can remember teaching that, and it was tough for me because I'm so big, and at the time I had a beard, and you know, I'm, I learned in middle school, when I was teaching middle school, how big, ugly, and scary I really was. Because parents would tell me. <laughs> Students would tell their parents, oh, Mr. Baker, and fortunately I had a son that was in middle school at the same time, so that when I was teaching, he was there in the building as well. And it was amazing how as it dawned on students, you're Josh Baker's dad, that's your son. It was amazing how relationships changed, how more approachable I became as they got to know my son, how less fearsome I was because they knew my son or because they would come into my room after school with my son or we would be after school and my son and I would be walking together and students would see us together and I became more approachable because of my son. They used to do this thing at the middle school where they would have morning announcements by way of what they called WEGL. It was like a radio thing. They would do announcements and play music and things like that. And my son kind of broke down all barriers to me when at the conclusion of one of the broadcasts he says... Uh, my dad's really funny, but looks aren't everything. That was his closing remark about me. 
then students are coming like mad. They're thinking, this guy's just, just he's, got a, he's a father. He's got a son. It's going to be okay. So too it is with God. As you approach God, don't be afraid of how big and how awesome he is, but instead engage his son, Jesus Christ, through faith and walk into the presence of God with the needs and concerns that are on your heart. Why do I pray? I pray because he listens and he's God. He listens and he's God. The fourth question we ask this morning is, how do I pray? How do I pray? There are several examples of how not to pray in the Bible. The first one is we don't pray defiantly. In, in, in 1 Samuel chapter 13, uh, Saul, who is the king at that time, is waiting for Samuel to arrive to light the offering so that they can then go into battle against the Philistines. Well, Saul becomes impatient. He doesn't want to do it the way protocol expects. He was supposed to wait seven days. He doesn't want to wait the, anymore. And so he lights the offering. And notice what happens in verses 12 and 14. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You acted foolishly, Samuel said. You have not kept the command of the Lord. Sometimes that's how it is, right? We, we just jump ahead of what we think God might want. We're, we're just going to do it ourselves and we act defiantly. That's not prayer. Please notice, too, Luke chapter 15, verse 12. Sometimes we pray militantly, like the prodigal son. And the prodigal son says this. Uh, he says, Father, give me my share of the, the estate. So the father divided, divided his property between them. Give me. It wasn't until later in Luke chapter 15 when the son says, make me. Make me different. That things change. But when he was militant about it, things did not change. You see, we need to understand that God is our Father. We are going to him in prayer. A little while ago, my, my mother and I went to Bob Evans. And Bob Evans' restaurant, I, I like to go there for two reasons. One is breakfast. How can you go wrong any time of the day, right? I, I like breakfast. The other is every time I walk in there, I always feel 20 years younger, right? Um, because it's, it, it is an older crowd, and, uh, and so it does. It makes you feel better. But we were in there, and my mom and I, we were sitting there waiting for the waitress to come, and the waitress was talking to a, a couple next to us, and it was an older couple, older than myself and my mother, and she starts yelling. The waitress starts yelling like they're, they're deaf, and my mom looks at me and says, why do young people think all older people are deaf? Why do they think that? And sometimes I think we think because God has been around for all eternity, that he must be hard of hearing. So we need to scream our prayers to him and we need to yell at him and beat and you know, make all kinds of demonstrative. It's not like that. We don't pray militantly. We don't pray defiantly. In Jonah chapter 4, Jonah prayed disappointedly. Remember, Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh and said he went to Tarshish and the ship and all that, and he got thrown out, and the great fish swallowed him and then spit him up on the ocean when he, on the shore, and he said, okay, I'll go. He goes to Nineveh, and what, what happens? Great revival. Many people, the lives, the whole city is transformed. And Jonah, his response was Jonah chapter 4, verses 1, and three, 1 through 3. He prayed disappointedly, but Jonah was greatly displeased and became angry. He prayed to the Lord, O Lord, is this not what I said? When I was still at home, that is why I was so quick to flee to Tarshish. 
I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Now, O Lord, take away my life, for it is better for me to die than to live. He prayed disappointedly. See, sometimes we forget God is God, and so what he chooses to do is best. So how do we pray? Well, take your Bibles and turn to Ephesians chapter 4. In Ephesians chapter 4, there is a great passage of, of Scripture that we are familiar with and that we enjoy so much to read, and it gives us a look into prayer. Look at Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16. Ephesians 3, verse 16, it says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Those are great things to have, right? To think about how immeasurable, how marvelous, and how surpassing what God can do. But please notice how Paul does this in his prayer. In verse 14, this is how Paul prays. He says, for this reason, I kneel, I kneel before the Father, from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. So how do I pray? I don't pray militantly, defiantly, disappointedly. Instead, I pray as a child speaking to his father. I pray as a child speaking to his father. We need to know what the father is all about. And when we understand who he is, then we understand we are like children approaching our father who has at his disposal so many marvelous things. A perfect, holy, just father. That's who we know. That's who he is. So how do I pray? I pray as a child speaking to his father. We need to know God. We need to understand him. And we know him by reading his word and understanding what it is. I can remember the first time my oldest son went away to camp. He was gone for six days. And I wrote him five letters. It was, he's our first and all this. And I thought, well, I'll write him things and all that. We get home from camp. We open up his suitcase and we begin to go through his suitcase. And I find those five letters. None of them had been opened. I'm thinking, how do you know what I think if you don't open the letter? Right. But then I thought today, as I was preparing for this, how do I know what God wants if I never open his book and, and find out what he has to say to me? Sometimes we forget that it is this book in his word that provides us answers and understanding of who he is so that when we pray, we will go to him with great excitement as a child rushing to their father. Someone has said this, prayer should translate spiritual position into practical living. My spiritual position is a son to a father. And so as I practically live that out, I'm approaching God on a regular basis as a child speaking to his father. What is prayer talking to God? Who can pray? Those that have access to God through Jesus Christ. Why do I pray? Because he is interested listening and he is an infinite God 
How do I pray as a child speaking to his father? Where do I pray? You can pray in groups. Remember Acts chapter 12 when Peter was captured and being held prisoner? In Acts chapter 12, what did the church do? They got together in a group and they prayed for Peter. You can pray in groups. You can pray all alone. Remember Hagar? Hagar was the handmaiden of Abraham. Abraham and Sarah were married. And God came to them and said, you're going to be a great nation. And Sarah panicked and said, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. I'm old. So take Hagar. And so that's what Abraham did. He went into Hagar. Hagar has a child with Abraham. And then what do they do? They cast them away. And when Hagar is in the wilderness wondering about what does she do, she calls out to God and God hears her. You can pray when you're alone. You can pray in crisis like the thief on the cross. Remember the thief on the cross is hanging there. And what does he say? He says, remember me. Remember me. And Jesus' response is, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's a crisis. He prayed in crisis. You can also pray in calm. Think of Jesus and his prayer when he prayed, into thy hands I commend my spirit. He's dying on the cross, but yet there is a calm that comes over him, and he prays to God, here's my spirit, take it. So where can you pray? You can pray anywhere, anywhere. Especially when you begin to understand that prayer is about a relationship. You see, sometimes when, when you talk to people about pray, prayer, what do they say? I don't, I don't have time to do that. I'm busy. I don't have time to do that. D.L. Moody who was a 19th century evangelist in Chicago, Moody Church, great evangelist and everything like that. He had a great quote. He said this. He says, I have an extra special busy day today, so I got up two hours early to pray. Sometimes you can't even get your day going without prayer. You can do it anywhere. And when you understand it as a relationship, you understand that I can do it wherever. I can talk to my father wherever I am. The final question is, when do I pray? Of course, First Thessalonians 5.17 says it, doesn't it? First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. Pray continually. You see, when we understand prayer as a relationship, all of a sudden we aren't looking for ritualistic moments to do prayer. We aren't looking to just react to every situation. Instead, we are in a relationship with God, and so we are talking to him constantly. He is our Father We talk to our Father all the time because our Father cares for us. Our Father loves us. Our Father's interested in us. So we we, we talk to them all the time. So when we see this verse, pray continually. Don't think I've got to be on my hands and knees and my face down and my eyes closed. That's not it. It's an understanding that all throughout the day, your Father is there ready and willing to listen to you. I I have a cell phone just like all all of you probably do. And if it were to buzz in my pocket right now, I would pull it out and look at it, and if it said Adam, that's one of my sons, or it said Josh, I would excuse myself and take the call. But if it were someone else, I would put the phone back in my pocket because I figure, you know, they can wait. But if it's my son, they have instant access to me, and I would talk to them right here in front of you. And that's the way God is. So when do I? All the time. Because you have instant access into the presence of God through Jesus Christ, your Savior. Why worry when you can pray? Trust Jesus. He'll be your stay. Don't be a doubting Thomas. Why worry, 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 worry when you can pray? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for this opportunity to remind ourselves of not only who you are, but what you make available to us. 
And what you make available to us is a relationship through your son, Jesus Christ, that allows us access and opportunity to be with you every moment of every day. Father, may we capitalize on that relationship by talking to you throughout each day. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Have a wonderful week.